Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630Chad. Well, once again, uh, this year we managed to make February 13th Valentine's Day in the uh, Stauffer uh, household. Uh, special thanks to everybody at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Was there uh, Saturday night uh, in around 5.30 and uh, had a couple uh, sets of individuals come over and say hello. That was awesome and we had a, a terrific dinner. So it made for a great night. And then we came home and we watched the crown after watching the uh, Canucks and the Flames wrap up. So I got to tell you, it's a pretty well-produced show. One guy's opinion. What do I know? Uh, It is 1235 at Edmonton, and we're going to head off to our NHL Insider, brought to you by the Legacy Heating and Cooling. Pay no overtime rates on their 24-7 service repairs. That's how you build a Legacy, Legacy Heating and Cooling. And we welcome back to the show our NHL Insider, John Shannon. John, how are you doing? Do not tell me how that that show ends, please. I don't want to know. Well, have you <laughs> <laughs> have you watched it at all? All of it. Are you kidding me? Well, you watched pandemic. We watched lots. You watched lots. So, what did you think of the crown? Like, what did you think of the production values on this? You're a, you're you're you know more about television than any guy I know, John. So, I mean, from my perspective, it was stellar. What did you think? Oh, I I loved the first couple of years okay i love the first couple of years the the the, the last the last couple of year, couple of series i think were a little too soap opera-ish and I, I, i'm sh- and fictional at times so okay I mean, we should explain it, it we... television show it and because it was a television show it has to be true right so all right. We should explain to our listeners that the first two seasons of The Crown yeah. basically sort of discusses the ascension to the throne for Queen Elizabeth and goes roughly into about the ninth to the until the end of uh, Harold Macmillan's reign as Prime Minister yeah. in Britain, which would be about 1963, right around the time of the Kennedy assassination. So yeah, yeah, it's, that's it's, right. Well, in fact, that was that was one of the uh, one of the final yeah. episodes that I you know. But but and when they changed when they changed uh, the character, the act actor that uh, Claire Danes did Queen Elizabeth early on, young young Elizabeth. But so, 
Yeah, it was. I I gotta tell you, from a pure production value, uh, it's it's. I mean, they they pumped a lot of money in the last show. Like I think I think it was a hundred million dollars a year they were putting in the last show. Like, the, like well, when scene. you consider when you consider every scene inside a a, a royal house was a set. There was no real royal houses used. Right. It was quite uh, quite fantastic. Yeah, it was it, it's spectacular and it's funny because and, and maybe John it's and I I don't mean to date ourselves here. Well, but you're old. I don't know about yeah, you're old. I, I've often been called old especially in my own house and usually by Tori and Hudson, but uh my grandmother was born in Britain and mm-hmm. you know lived through the uh, bombings and then came to help my mom was born in Britain. <laughs> And and so they've always had time for that end of things, and I totally understand people if they looked, you know, if, if you're not from, but th- for a lot of people that maybe grew up, there was a lot of reverence for oh, yeah. what the crown represented. You know what I'm saying? So maybe maybe if you come from that sort of upbringing, you might have a little bit more time for the show. Yeah. That's a good yeah. point. Uh, you know, not, not to not to belabor it, but uh, when you when you when you were the sons or daughters of families that went through the war. Yeah. It, it changes your perspective. I mean, the, it was an important event to have uh, the Queen's Christmas wish and New Year's uh, speech uh, on on the television. Um, and that has obviously has changed over the years. Yeah, it, it really is. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I do think it's one of the best shows that's available on Netflix right now. John Shannon joining us, our NHL insider. John, you were all over uh, the situation on Thursday night in Montreal regarding Yes, Sapolyarvi. Mm-hmm. And what a situation that it, and, and I guess that's just a byproduct of the current COVID 19 pandemic times that we live in and that NHL organizations have to deal with. What I really, what you really noticed on on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, obviously, were were was the ability of the NHL uh, and the Oilers to adapt, um, because th- there were situations I think early on that people would say, well, um, if a test did not come back negative, the guy was out two weeks. Well, that, that's not the case, and the league deserves a ton of credit for the way they test, and the Oilers deserve credit for adapting to a rather. Uh, a strange situation on Thursday that uh, got rectified on Friday and yes it got to travel home on Saturday. Yeah, and and so end result here and and by it we should mention Steven Stamkos by the way, similar situation with the Tampa Bay Lightning and they're playing Florida for a couple of huge games. Right now those are the two top teams in their division. So it it's affected other organizations as well. Yeah, no, it, and and the whole um, story of uh, of whether you get put in the protocol does not mean you are a positive case what you what you have to do is go through the protocols and and to ensure whether it's contact tracing i mean the best example to me of that was with the oilers was how they treated miko koskinen on thursday uh koskinen was never in the protocol but you know they were smart and safe uh, took his equipment out of the dressing room, put it in a place where if he needed to uh, dress for practice, as he did in the morning, he could. And then um, they made the decision that, uh, you know what, let's even be safer. Let's, uh, let's put him on the sidelines for the night. Let's isolate him uh, and so he can fly home with us and Dylan Wells can, can back up uh, Mike Smith. Can't argue with what we've seen out of Mike Smith through his first two starts, can you? Uh, you know what? 
if you had told me he was, you know, 27, I would believe you. Uh, and here's what really impressed me, uh, Bob. It was it was the game in Ottawa, the morning in the Ottawa. I have never seen enthusiasm out of Mike Smith like that on in, in the morning Zoom call. That, to me, was an indication. This guy was ready and raring to go and had a really strong mindset. And and that, you know, and, and certainly guys can have great mindsets and not play well. But he just, he put everything in perspective. He was positive. Uh, he he uh, understood what was going on through the whole time. I think he respected what Miko did through the the, stra- uh, the stretch of games that Koskinen had to play. I, I just... Uh, my awareness and uh, my eyes were open with Mike Smith uh, in that morning and then the way, obviously, the way he played, the way he controlled the puck, and the way the guys played in front of him. Uh, John, I I think you might appreciate this. When Mike Smith was still playing with Calgary, Milan Lucic was an oiler, late in the... 1819, was it 1819 regular season? Yeah, 1819 regular season. Lucic and Smith got in front of it in the net, in front of the goal. Mm-hmm. And, and Smith wasn't taking any crap and wasn't backing down. And then I believe it was Tanner Glass ended up fighting Milan. And I bumped into a, I had a Calgary player say to me after, well, the irony of that situation is our guys were more concerned about Tanner than they were about Mike. And I'm like, well, why is that? And they go, well, number one, Mike's in better shape than anybody else on the team. Yeah. And, number, and he goes, number two, stuff. I'm pretty sure Mike Smith's probably the toughest guy on our team, too. And I just, I, it kind of made me laugh a little bit, right? Like it's, because you don't think of a 38-year-old goaltender, but he is in ridiculous condition. And it's, you know, we had a lot of people really criticize the organization for the offseason signing of him. And, hey, no one's saying he's going to continue having a 985 save percentage. But are we not at least, do we, are we not getting a better read of what Edmonton might have, John, because they now have Smith and Koskinen? And they were, they always knew with Koskinen they had to have two goalies, not one. Listen, I, until the pause last year in March of 20, the goaltending was okay in the regular season. Um, you know, it wasn't great, but it was okay. Uh, they were going to make the playoffs. They were going to. They had had the momentum carried through March and April into the playoffs. The Oilers would have been in a much better position for a, a, a standard playoff run um, than they were in the bubble. Uh, I, I, dare I say that I think the bubble, because the way it was played, probably hurt the. Oilers goaltending more than maybe any other goaltending tandem in the National Hockey League. So, uh, and and I think that that was always the backstop for Kenny. So did he make overtures at other goaltenders? Sure, he did. But he always knew in the back of his mind that uh, I can I can go back. I can get Mike Smith. I can afford him. I can keep him. I can keep our cap a little more responsible, and we'll be okay. And I think that you know, based on two games, they're okay. They might be better than okay. Uh, small sample size, but it's going in the right direction. The other thing is, I just think that when Mike's mind is set properly, it's it's an and this is a bad word at this time. Uh, this part of the year but it, it, his mindset's infectious you know what if he's positive there's a lot more people are positive around him and i think that's that's something to be said for this organization we're joined by john shannon our nhl insider brought to you by legacy heating and cooling john uh, are we seeing the emergence of a third line here 
with Jujar Kara and Josh Archibald and Tyler Ennis. Not quite sure I saw that trio uh, combining on this level. What about you? Oh, I and I, I think we we saw we've always known that Archibald uh, used his speed. We always knew that Archibald used his little body the way uh, some guys never did. But when you think that uh, Ennis has come back into the lineup, made a difference, and then Jujar has played as well as he has at center, uh, and uh, you know those three games. I know the game in Calgary, everybody says that, well, it started when he scored in Calgary, but, the, you know, they didn't win in Calgary. Uh, but the three games on the on the east swing, uh, the two in Ottawa, the one in Montreal, they were, they were impressive victories. They were impressive victories, and they were a huge part of it. Uh, and if, if, if that can happen and we, we end up sitting here on this show and start talking about top nine versus top six, that just uh, that's an exponential improvement in the in the hockey club, you know. And 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 you know, I think what it also does is that the domino effect is. I think it probably puts Kyle Turris in the right spot too, and so that you can Kyle doesn't have to have as many minutes, and Kyle can go that 11, 12, 13 minutes as the number four center, uh, and they'll be okay, you know. So I mean, if Kara can keep this up, if he can, if if his consistency can continue, then this is a really good story. It may be the second and best feel-good story for the organization this year. Yeah, speed and skill on the wings help out, obviously. Oh, Ennis, sure. Ennis gives him a little bit of skill. He looks like he's healthy. Let's not forget he got hurt uh, halfway through Game 3 against Chicago, and the Oilers could have used, I mean, they just got one goal at the right time in Game 3 or Game yep. 4. We're having a little bit different conversation there. Uh, I'd want to ask you about the defense as well. Uh, your thoughts on what we've seen out of Evan Bouchard and William Lagason here over the last week and a half? Well, you can see how well they work together in Bakersfield, for sure. Uh, you know, and in talking to a couple of people in the organization and talking to some people outside the organization, um, you know, Lagason is, you know, they're a, they're a, um, a good complementary duo. I mean, Lagason is never going to be at the other end of the offensive end of the ice and try to go to the net. Lagason's a stay-at-home guy. He uses his body effectively. He's a fascinating guy when you consider unlike most Swedish defensemen. Here's a guy that came over to North America to play in the USHL. His family was uh, adamant that uh, he could not go and play in the Canadian Hockey League. He had to go to university. So he went to UMass Amherst and played there for four years, which is unconventional for a Swede. They usually stay home and work through the uh, the national program. Um, this guy does things differently. He loves to read. He loves to. He's he's uh, he challenges people off the air, off the ice. Um, and then Evan Bouchard, uh, you know, is is a, a project for Jim Playfair on the defensive side, and then on the offensive side, Jim can just sit there and say and, and marvel at what he does as he moves across the blue line and and shoots the puck. The one in talking to a ton of people, I'm, you, and you've talked to this. The same people, Bob. The one thing everybody talks about Bouchard is his shot, and not 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 its accuracy, but how heavy it is. Yeah. And the, even the guys in practice are talking about, hey, when it hits me, it hurts. Uh, and so, so when, when you can't teach that type of thing, you can't teach him straddling the blue line and moving from laterally on the power play. But you can try to teach uh, his defensive play, and that's what Playfair is doing. Just food for thought here, further to Bouchard on a couple fronts. With the London Knights, when they had Boquist on the team, 
at times they would play Bouchard and Boquist together. Bouchard played the left side. They're both right shots. But the other thing that was intriguing to me is sometimes Boquist and Bouchard would uh, switch spots and end up on the both right shots on the left side half board on the power play. Do you think that's a possible? Right now, that's Nugent Hopkins' spot in the one-three-one formation. Do you, and, and I, I'm not saying you take Barry off the power play. I'm saying you put Bouchard and use that uh, sweet spot off the, that hammer blow from the right, uh, yeah. from the left side. You think that's a possibility? I think it might be a little early for that, Bob. The one thing I would say is that I think when you see the Oilers get into pulling their goalie, Connor's already on the ice, I wouldn't be surprised that you see Bouchard be the sixth guy a lot more because of his shot, because of his ability to move down the wall. I think that's something to be said for how they utilize him in offensive situations so that they, so he still has some defensive ability but has some strong offensive the offensive side. I asked somebody, I said, gosh, Evan looks different uh, right now. And, you know, he's lost 10 pounds from last year. Um, and, and he's one of those guys that went and played in the Swedish First Division, not in the Swedish Hockey League, but in the Swedish First Division. And it really made a difference. And in many ways, what he did, and Lagesson too, uh, what they, they had a training camp. They, they, they played yep. professional hockey for two and a half, three months before they got to the NHL this year. And I think that's really paid off for the organization as well. John, today is Craig Simpson's 54th birthday. As you oh know, he did, the, he did this show for uh, eight seasons. So a special shout-out to uh, current Hockey Night in Canada analyst Craig Simpson. In my opinion, I don't think there's ever been true appreciation in this market for how competitive and how tough he really was. Because you know what? It you got to pay the price if you're going to score where he scored from, and he scored from there. And, I mean, you think back to that 89-90 Stanley Cup final. Guy had 31 points in the playoffs that year. Yep. He was a big-time player, wasn't he? Yeah, and let me ask you this, Bob. Uh, and this is just this is me pie-in-the-sky idea. If, if, if Craig had played for his hometown team rather than for Michigan State, would we know him better? Hmm. Would we have a better sense of what he was? You know, Craig went to college hockey at a time where, where those of us in Canada didn't really have too much time for college hockey. Things have changed a lot since then. You know, and, and we, we, were, we heard about Craig Simpson, but we didn't see him. And I wonder if, the, if everything had changed from an early time if he had played for the London Knights as opposed to Michigan State. Interesting point because I was, Craig Craig is fifty four. I'm a year older, and I will tell you the really good well, you players. Look identical, you got the same body type. I said to Craig the first time I was doing stats with Dennis Beck was doing play by play, and Craig came in the booth. I and the first thing I said to him, I looked at Dennis and I said, Craig, what's it like being the third best looking guy in the booth? But I digress. I thought you'd I thought you'd appreciate that. No, all of the good players uh, that I grew up with. With it's funny you mentioned the college thing because all of the good players that were way better than me with the south side they all went ncaa back then so you know john mcmillan uh guy Godowski, sure. uh craig sturzer malcolm parks greg parks who's but no that, longer with but us that also spoke to that that spoke volumes to the success of the ajhl too bob 
Yeah, but you know? There was only eight teams back then. You had to be pretty good to play in the yeah. AJ as well. I'm exactly. just saying that for a lot of, and it might have been just the part of the, the I mean, Guy Gadowski's at Penn State. He still recruits out of the south side of Edmonton to this day. But, it, it you know, out west here, there was a real battle there for a while and, until the WHL came up with the scholarship program under a guy you know well, Jim Donlevy. Yeah. Until they came up with that, that stopped the drain of talent to the NCAA. So, interesting point. So you're you're saying if if Simmer had played for the London Knights and gone on to Pittsburgh then Edmonton, we would he would have maybe been thought uh, a little bit. Let's not forget. Did he also not tell the Maple Leafs not to take him number one overall well, in 1985? Yeah, they, 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 there was there was somebody else that by then they had somebody else the Maple Leafs wanted to take so. Guy, and, and believe me, uh, a sporting icon in Toronto. T- Absolutely. No, the, the, my my point is, is that you know, we we as a country, we 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 pay attention to player development so much, and and you know, in 1984 and 85, we weren't watching college hockey. We weren't yeah. paying attention to college hockey near as much as we do now, for so many reasons. I was, um, and and had we know, you know, if 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 Craig had been the number two pick overall, played for the London Knights and gone to Pittsburgh, and then got acquired in a trade from Pittsburgh by the Oilers, people would have been glowing that they got Craig Simpson, who was the number two pick from the, and it came out of the London Knights. I guarantee you. I guarantee Intr- you. Well, interesting point. I can tell you, like Wisconsin played Michigan Saturday and Sunday this weekend. Their oh, games. Oh, look good, boy. Oh, I watched. I watched a bit of that game. I don't have. Week. I don't. I don't have the Big Ten Network at the house. So I was angry because TSN, who carries NCAA, and they do a great job with it, they opted not to show those games this weekend. So I was really disappointed. Well, I'm good to hear. I'm glad that you thought you thought he looked good in both games. Oh, yeah. Actually, I had a great talk with Tony Granato about him last week. Uh, and I said, Tony, you got five minutes? And Tony said, yeah, sure. So I said, so we talked for five minutes, and then Tony wanted to talk for 15 minutes more all about Holloway. That's all he wanted to talk about was Holloway. I didn't even get to ask him about Cole Caulfield. All he wanted to talk about was Holloway and how good Holloway was on the defensive side of the puck. Yeah, and that's uh, where so much of his growth has occurred. He, you know, he, what 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 uh, what Tony talked about was how tough it was last year for him to come in as a 17 year old, and the massive growth this year as Holloway as a player, albeit from the World Junior and from this shortened uh, uh, NCAA season. Awesome stuff, John. Much appreciated, and we'll see. Uh, hey, I think. Can I throw one thing at you? Sure. One thing at you tonight. I think you're going to see. The two best players in the 2014 draft play. Is David Pasternak in town? I'm, I'm just sure you could you could you can throw Pasternak on there. But if you had a choice, N- Nikolai Ehlers is playing. Ehlers or Dreisaitl? You know, I like, yeah. I, I'm always been an Ehlers fan, and obviously Leon's a hard trophy winner. So yes, well Ehlers is having a huge season, and oh. we've had Ehlers have he's played great against Edmonton, dating all the way back to the rookie tournament, John, in your yep. favorite community in BC. Absolutely, in yeah, I know, but I love I, 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 I when I remember when both got drafted, both uh, Shovel Dayoff and uh, and McTavish were adamant that they wanted Drysidle for Edmonton and Ehlers for Winnipeg, and they both got him, and they both paid off. All right, awesome stuff, John. Thank you for your time. We'll talk on Wednesday. Cheers. Cheers. 12.56 in Edmonton. You're listening to Oilers Now. When we come back, we'll get to the Oilers Now injury report for James H. Brown, injury lawyers. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. All right, two quick texts on the Ashley Five Floors text line. 
12.57 in Edmonton. Trent says Bob, Mike Smith has a chip on his shoulder and was full of fire answering media questions. Reminded me of the sass of Rollison and Pronger. I love it, says Trent. Well, both those guys could bring it. I mean, Chris Pronger... I mean, Chris Pronger was one of the three best defensemen in the league for about 15 years, and he could bring the heat. And Dwayne Rollison was an alley cat, man. He fought his way to the NHL and to have the sort of career that he did. Uh, uh, and both guys, whenever we see them, we see Chris in St. Louis and uh, Rolly sometimes uh, in town here. It's just awesome to deal with them. Haji Texas show to say, I think the reason Craig Simpson is so often underappreciated has a lot to do with who he was traded for and the circumstances that precipitated that trade. Well, Paul Coffey, obviously, a bit of a falling out with the Oilers at that time. The Oilers had some financial issues under Peter Pocklington. Maybe couldn't quite pay guys what they were worth. I'd say Glenn Sather did a good job. I mean, he got himself uh, tops. I mean, Paul Coffey's a Hall of Fame defenseman. If Craig Simpson had had, if Craig Simpson could have played eight or 900 games in the NHL, we might be having the conversation. Just unfortunately for him, he got beat up. Uh, but he was an all-in player. There's no other way to say it. And he was money come playoff time as well. Into the Oilers now. Injury report brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers. Trent Brown. See the best athlete the U of A's produced over the last 30 years? Uh, maybe. Uh, obviously a two-time all-star for the EE Football Club. Uh, Jim Brown involved the Edmonton Oil Kings for a number of years here. We go very quickly. We'll tell you in the Oilers case, uh, Ethan Bear skated the last two days. He's closing in on a potential return, but held out for tonight's game. And uh, Gaetan Haas is very close as well. He, he was unfit to play, according to Dave Tippett, uh, though he did not go on back on the COVID protocol list after coming off uh, at the start of the Remember, at the start of the season, they didn't technically report who was on and who was not on. They just said unfit to play. And then uh, Haas got into a couple games and had to miss a few. Both both guys are closing in on return. Zach Cassian will be out uh, multiple weeks with an upper body issue. It is 12.59 in Edmonton. We will head off to a global news weather traffic update. Bobby Farian. And when we return on Oilers Now, we're going to hook up with Hall of Famer Grant Fuhr. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.